a big part is, as people, we're wired visually, right? If you're walking through a jungle and you hear rustling, what do you do? You turn around to see what it is, right? So even though we have multiple senses, auditory and smell and sight and taste and feel, our brains, without getting into all the brain science, we're just wired visually. So we take in information faster visually. Welcome to the Grounded Content Podcast. Are you a professional creative a strategic content creator, a content strategist. If you make content, podcasts, articles, photographs, videos, and you do it for a purpose, for conversions, inbound marketing, audience growth, engagement, demand generation, this is the podcast for you. The root question that we're always asking in this show is how can you be effective and also grounded? I'm your host, Marion Abrams, and I've worked on commercials, on documentaries, as a social media consultant, and as a podcast producer. And today, I'm a podcasting consultant, working with businesses and individuals who are ready to move to the next level. So these questions are essential. Today's guest on Grounded Content is Todd Churches. He wrote a book called Visual Leadership. And what we talk about today is how visual language is a critical part of how humans receive information and communicate, even when we're communicating in an audio format like podcasting. We'll talk about some of the ways to use visual imagery and some of the ways that he thinks about visual language and its effectiveness. If you like the show, please do me one favor, and that is tell a couple of friends about it, whether you post it on social media or you just mention it over coffee, because that's how we'll grow. You tell two friends and they tell two friends. So Todd, welcome. Todd Churches is my guest today. He's written a book called Visual Leadership. And we're going to talk about some of these principles of visual thinking and visual communication and how they might apply to our audience in terms of communications and marketing. So Todd, welcome to the show. Marion, thanks so much for having me. So I'm going to just throw you right into the deep end. Why does visual communication matter? Why is that an important piece of communication? Well, a big part is, as people, we're wired visually, right? If you're walking through a jungle and you hear rustling, what do you do? You turn around to see what it is, right? So even though we have multiple senses, auditory and smell and sight and taste and feel, our brains, without getting into all the brain science, we're just wired visually. So we take in information faster visually, we can see things faster than we could hear them. So that's basically the foundation. One of the things I talk about in my TED Talk and my book is attention, comprehension, and retention. So if you take an information visually through your eye, it has your attention, right? You're focused on it. You're looking at something. You're not checking your email. You're not distracted by other things. Comprehension, you understand it better than if you just heard it. Like if I explain to you how to get to my apartment on the Upper East Side of New York, it's going to go in one ear and out the other, unless you have a mental map, and then you could actually visualize it. But if I sent you an actual map, or you looked it up on Google Maps, then you could say, okay, I see where you live relative to the airport, right? So we understand things better. And in terms of retention, again, because of the way our brains are wired, we just remember things better when we take them in visually than just auditorially. So those are just uh, you know, tip of the iceberg metaphor, which we'll be talking about, reasons why visuals are so crucial in terms of our messaging. I would love to dig back into all three of those and how we kind of can harness those to our advantage. But first, I want to ask you, when you talk about visual kind of thinking and communicating, sometimes there's not an actual picture. Sometimes you talk about things like metaphor or visual storytelling. Do those kind of tap into the same systems in our understanding? 
Yeah, most people tend to communicate in words and numbers, right? Especially in the business world. I teach leadership in the HR master's program at NYU. I know you went to NYU as well. So we're so busy with the words and numbers that we forget about the important thing is the story we're trying to tell. So one of the things I always say is that numbers are meaningless out of the context and outside of the story you're trying to communicate. So that's the key thing is we're talking not only about visual imagery as in pictures that you take in through the physical eye, but visual language as well. And I actually, even though I'm in the business world and most people think I was a business major, I actually was an English literature major as an undergrad with a concentration in Shakespeare and poetry. So a lot of the work I do is rooted in poetic language. You know, use of metaphor, meter, rhythm, rhyme. Again, Shakespeare communicated visually through his language. His plays had no sets, basically. A lot of times, minimal costumes. But it really was about creating another world and transporting people to another time and place through your words and through your language. So that's a big part of visual thinking that we often don't think about is that you can communicate visually in an auditory way so that people can picture something in their mind's eye. It's so interesting because I know when I'm teaching people, when I'm helping people to be better interviewers, one of the things we talk about is sometimes you ask these questions like, well, what did it look like? but also what did it sound like? What did it smell like? And that helps put them in their mind's eye, but then they can see it to explain it better. It's like the difference between reading a novel and watching a movie of the novel, right? When you're reading the novel, you're actually picturing in your mind's eye, which is a term, by the way, coined by Shakespeare in Hamlet when he saw the ghost of his father and he didn't know if it was a real ghost or a figment of his imagination. He said, I see my father in my mind's eye. So if you're reading a novel, how often does it happen where we read a book and then we see the movie version and we don't like it as much because it's not consistent with the image that we created? It could be the character, it could be the place. So you're taking in that content, but through a different medium and we process it differently. So what's interesting, I hadn't thought about this in a while. I'm a big baseball fan, Yankees and Mets. So I'll be listening to a game on the radio and let's say it makes a diving catch. And I'll say to my wife, did you see that play? And she's like, how could you see it? You're listening to it on the radio, but I'm watching the game in my head. I know what the field looks like. I know what the players look like. You know, think about people, families used to just gather around the radio, right? In the 1930s, listening to a radio program, a radio broadcast before TV was invented. So it's interesting how we use our senses to process information. But again, it comes down to storytelling. Yeah. And as we're here on a podcast and at the end of the podcast, I always say, see you next time. And of course, there's no see you next time. So let's start with the attention because for marketers, for communicators, that's key, especially now. How do we use story or visual story to grab attention? Well, there's a classic marketing acronym that I refer to all the time, AIDA, and it's not the opera or the Elton John musical. AIDA stands for awareness or attention, interest, desire, and action. So if you want to sell a product or service, first of all, you have to get people's attention or make them aware of that product that even exists. Secondly, you have to pique their interest. It's like, oh, that sounds interesting. I want to learn more. Desire is the emotional component. Then it's like, oh, I want this. I need this. And action is like, how do I buy it? How do I sign up? So when you use visuals, you're doing all of those things at once, right? You get making someone aware, piquing their interest, getting them to want something. And then hopefully your message at the end will have a call to action. You know, you always want to think about what do you want people to think, feel, know, and ultimately do at the end of your messaging. And that could be a 30-second TV commercial. It could be an infomercial. It could be a movie. It could be anything, an ad campaign. But I think that's a big part of our messaging is thinking about who's our audience and what's our purpose and how are we going to transport them or transform them from where they are to where we want them to be. Can you give an example of how that would be done visually, how you would use that AIDA principle, you know, how that would hit all those cylinders in one visual image or commercial? 
Yeah. I mean, think about a TV commercial, right? You're watching a TV show. All of a sudden, they cut in with the commercial. It's like, if it's boring, you're going to look away and do something else. If it's interesting, it's going to get your attention. And then again, it goes through those steps of, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I want that or I need that. And it's like, how do I buy it? Right. And it could be that's a TV commercial, but it could be an ad. It could be a post on social media. It could be a tweet. So I think that's the key thing is we need to get people to envision using that product or service, right? You want to picture them on that beach or using that product. That's what we're trying to do. Here's one of the examples I use in my book. It's a classic. Steve Jobs, he was a master of this. If you go on YouTube and watch any of his Apple presentations, but when he introduced the iPod, he didn't say this little device holds five gigabytes of data. He said, what? This little device holds a thousand songs in your pocket, right? Gigs, who cares? A thousand songs, it's like, wow, I could put my whole CD collection on that little tiny thing. That's unbelievable. So to try to sell people who are not techies on a device by telling us how many gigs it has is like selling a car by what size engine or what the capacity is to someone who doesn't know anything about cars. It's like, picture yourself driving this car on the open freeway, you know, whatever. That's how we sell cars. It's not sold by overloading people with the specs in most cases. Are there any tricks that leaders could use or anyone else could use to use visual imagery to grab attention? Yeah, I don't like the word using the word tricks because it sounds manipulative as opposed to genuine and sincere, but techniques, tools, tips, and techniques. Yeah, I mean, think about all the time you listen to your CEO or your CFO deliver a town hall and they just put up bullet point slides and statistics and people are just falling asleep, right? It's the story. It's the why should I care? What's in it for me? You always have to, again, think about who your audience is, what the purpose is, and what's going to grasp them. And that's one of the key things. There's no one-size-fits-all messaging for anything. We really need to think about what's going to grasp this audience. That's why diversity, inclusion, and belonging are so important, not just in terms of fairness, but just in terms of making things relevant to people. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting point. I don't know if it was in your TED Talk or one of your follow-up posts, but that idea of how that also kind of expands your understanding by being more inclusive and by using this kind of visual thought. Yeah, one of my concepts, and the cover of my book is a rainbow-colored eye, and the rainbow eye represents diversity and inclusion and the fact that no one in the world sees the world through the same lens that you do. So what we need to do is what I call flipping the eye. We need to, first of all, turn that eye around and look internally at ourselves, our assumptions, biases, belief systems, prejudices. Why do we believe what we do? Why do we think what we do? And then realize that if everyone in the world has a rainbow-colored eye and is seeing the world in a different way, then we need to kind of get ourselves in their head and try to see the world through their lens and help them to make their visions a reality. So a lot of times with leaders, it's about, oh, how do I make my vision a reality? But the best leaders help get people on board with their vision, but also find out what other people's visions are and help them make their vision come true. So I talk about leaders not only need to be good storytellers, but you need to be a good story listener as well. How do you pull the stories out of other people? And I always use the quote from Bill Nye, the science guy, who said that everyone you will ever meet knows something you don't. So part of our job is to pull those stories out of them. And you know that as a documentarian and storyteller yourself, I know (laughs) that's a big part of of your approach. Exactly, exactly. So let's move into kind of the second part, which was comprehension. And I know I find myself all the time saying, let me draw that for you. And then I look at my picture and it's like two circles and a line and it doesn't even mean anything. But how do we use visual thinking or visual leadership to kind of help comprehension? Yeah, well, I wrote my first Inc. article a couple of months ago called Can You Draw What Your Company Does? And it's an exercise I take people through where they actually have to get up on a whiteboard, a flip chart, or any piece of paper and actually draw out 
stick figures, metaphors, whatever, what it is that you do, and then explain that drawing. And by doing that, it helps you to think differently. It accesses the creative side of your brain, metaphorically, the right brain. The left brain is logical, right brain is rhythm. That's how I remember the distinctions. But when we're using left brain, we're thinking about words and facts and figures and numbers. The right side is the creative side of the brain. Again, not literally, but metaphorically. And when we leverage that, we could see things in a different way and communicate them in a different way. So even if you have ICD, which is I can't draw syndrome, you could pick up a pen or any medium and sketch something out. So it really is not a test of your artistic abilities, but a test of your ability to get an idea out of your head onto some medium so other people can see it. And then you can always tweak it or whatever, but I think that's a key thing. It's like, how do you get people to see what you're saying? That's one of my mantras. And through drawing, through imagery, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a PowerPoint slide or a sketch or whatever. You could use physical objects, or again, you could use language. And using metaphor is a great way to explain things to people because you're explaining something in words or some terminology that the other person can relate to and understand that will help translate it into their language. So I think that's uh, metaphors is a whole area that relates to poetry and songwriting, but also to just common usage. We use so many metaphors and we don't even realize it most of the time. So is there something about tapping into that visual image, whether you're creating them or whether people are seeing them that helps us understand in a different way? Yeah, I mean, it's called visual intelligence. It's about training, teaching yourself There are multiple intelligences, that's just one. But yeah, what's interesting is, have you ever shown someone around your town or your city or like in New York, I'm a volunteer for Big Apple Greeter. I give tours of New York to people visiting from other countries just to make New York a friendlier place. But when you're showing people around who've never been to New York before, you see it through their eyes, right? You can walk down the same streets for the hundredth time, but they'll point things out or you'll point things out to them. It's like, oh, I never noticed that detail before. I never noticed that before because you're seeing it through their eyes. And like parents try to see the world through their children's eyes or employees or managers, if they're good managers and good leaders, will try to see the world through their people's eyes, not just through yours. So again, a big part of this is just how you see the world. Yeah, I think that's a skill also, you know, in my role as either director or a consultant helping people to tell their stories is being able to put yourself, I never thought of it that way, into kind of the eyes of the audience or the eyes of the listener and help people kind of convey that information or even that skill of kind of walking into a room and being able to see it the way someone else would see it versus the way you see it. So the third piece of this was retention. So how do we use visuals to retain information? Yeah, we just remember things visually. Like if you're looking for your keys or your phone, you're like, where was the last place I saw it? You retrace your steps mentally, visually in your mind, almost as if you're watching something on a DVD player, you know, a DVR, I mean, and you're rewinding, right? You're going backwards. I went here, I went here. So that's a way that we create things. My wife was asking me a question the other day about childhood stuff. It's like, what do I remember? I remember the pictures we have in our family album, right? That's where I start. So I have some memories that are as vivid as it happened last week, and other things are so vague and fuzzy. So again, what we're trying to do is go through our mental photo album or our mental home movies to recapture what it was like, you know, who was there and where was this and what did it smell like Thanksgiving when I was 12 or whatever, you know, who was there. And so she was asking me about different things from my family that I hadn't thought about in a long time. But that's how we recall things visually. We actually like replay things in our mind's eye. And I think that's a big part of it. It's like, how do you get better at memorizing things? Like I have hundreds, actually a couple of thousand books, and I I read an average of one business book a week. 
So people say, how do you remember everything that you read? And I don't remember everything, but I use color coding. I circle things. I use different color post-its for different things. So if I'm looking for a specific paragraph, I can think, all right, that book had an orange cover, and I used a blue post-it to mark off that page, and I circled that thing in red. So I actually could picture that, and I could find that paragraph that I was looking for. If I didn't use any of those systems, the odds are I would not be able to find it. So we have our own systems, but I think that's a big part of it is we remember things visually, and I think that's why recall relates to visual thinking so, so well. Yeah, I can confirm that by saying that I know it's a joke among librarians that people will come in and ask for the book with the blue cover. (laughs) So let's talk again, not about tricks, but about tactics or tools, whether you're a leader in a leadership position or whether in a communication position. If you have a message you want to convey and you want to make sure that the audience is really going to retain that information, are there some techniques that you can use based on this philosophy? Yeah, I mean, again, using visual imagery, using pictures, using language. I know you do a lot of work around nature and the outdoors, right? So for someone who's oriented towards the outdoors, I may say, use outdoor nature language. Like, for example, I'm going to plant the seed for an idea. Let's get to the root of the problem. We're going to branch out in different directions. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Let's see which ones bear fruit and the sky's the limit. So right there, I use like five different nature or outdoor metaphors. For someone else, I might use another metaphor. I might use another example. So just speaking the language. One of the examples I use in my class, if you're speaking to someone, let's say he's talking to someone who runs a doctor's office, a doctor, for example, you might say, I'm going to help you diagnose the root cause of your issues and help to prescribe some solutions that will cure some of the challenges you're facing. So I use prescribe, diagnose, cure. That's the language that doctors speak. So if you speak the language, and it's not just English versus Spanish or Chinese, we're talking about the language. Every business, every industry has its jargon, its acronyms, its terminology. If you can learn that language and speak that language, what does the other person think? They say, oh, this person gets me. They speak my language. They know where I'm coming from. So as a consultant and a coach, I try to learn as much as I can about the issues and challenges that my clients are facing and the examples and stories I use. I try to relate to them and use examples that will resonate with them. So again, you're trying to paint a picture of a solution or get a picture of a problem. A big way of doing that is through storytelling. So if someone's telling me they have an issue with something, I'll say, give me an example, right? Paint a picture of that. You said that, then they said something else. What happened next? And through that story, I could visualize it and say, well, have you tried this? Or tell me what would have happened if this happened. Without the story, without the example, then it's just abstract and intangible and hard to wrap your head around. So that's just one example of how it makes it real, right? So that we're trying to make something real through the power of visual examples and metaphors. Now, do you know, do all minds think this way? I mean, I can tell you like as a mom, right? I've always thought it was so funny. I have two sons and they both memorized, you know, Jack and Jill went up the hill. But one of them, they were really little, One of them knew all the words, but maybe didn't know what they all meant. The other one could not memorize all the words, but he was saying like, Jack and Jill went up a mountain to get a bucket. So he couldn't remember the words, but he had the image. Do all minds retain information visually like this? Or is there diversity? Our brains are wired for visuals. But, you know, like some people could draw better than others or paint better than others or someone say, I have a better ear for music, right? So that's what I would say. It's like, it's a skill that's developable. Now, some people may have a more innate talent or orientation towards something. So you can't say everyone's equally good at this. But if you're aware of something, 
then you can start saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to start paying more attention to the metaphors people use. Or when I'm explaining something, it's like, oh, I never thought about the fact that I might be alienating a client because I'm using examples. And like, I'm a big baseball fan, as I mentioned. So a lot of my students at NYU are international students. So a 25-year-old female from Beijing, a baseball analogy is probably not going to resonate with her, right? So I might use dance or theater or nature is more universal. But just being aware, because a good metaphor will create clarity, a bad one will create confusion. So you want to think about, is my messaging coming across and what's the best way to do that? So again, that's a skill that can be learned and something we could be better at. Some people are, again, great at it, just like with any skill. Some people struggle and some people, it's a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. But that's what I'd say is we're wired that way and we could all improve and be better at it with more awareness and more practice. So as we wrap up, we've just covered so much stuff. How would you break down? Are there a couple pieces of advice for really harnessing this way of thinking that people could use, whether it's for attention, whether it's for retention, whether it's for comprehension? Yeah, it's like if we could think of different ways of communicating, and again, there's no one size fits all. So for example, an advertisement in a newspaper or magazine or online is not going to be the same as on a billboard, right? A billboard is meant to get your message across while people are driving by at 70 miles an hour. Similarly, a PowerPoint slide is meant to be a, the equivalent of a billboard, right? So if you're delivering a presentation and your PowerPoint slides are filled up with text and you're just reading line by line off each bullet, you're going to bore people to death, right? So you want to use imagery to support your message. So just that awareness of, can I improve my slides? Can I research has shown that blog posts that have a visual image attached to them are read, I forget what the percentage is, but a lot more than a, a blog post that does not have an image. Would you buy a product on eBay or Amazon if there was not a picture of that item on there just from the description and the name of it? Probably not. If someone links in with you and they don't have a headshot, are you going to connect with them if you don't know them? Probably not. So again, how can I leverage visual imagery and know that we're visual creatures to help yourself be more effective in getting your message across. I'm going to throw you one more challenge question, like for bonus points, right. because many of my listeners are in the podcasting space. How can people in an audio medium use this? In one word, storytelling. If you're a good storyteller, you'll take people on a journey. You'll create a time and place. Why stories? Stories have beginnings, middles, and ends. There are villains, victims, and heroes. There's a quest or some journey or some goal to be attained. There's obstacles and barriers that stand in your way, right? So if you could tell a good story, you will captivate people and hold their attention in a way that, so even if you're not using visual pictures, you could take people on a journey and tell them a story that they'll always remember just through your words. So that's what I would say to podcasters. Okay. And other than taking your class at NYU, how can people learn more about what you're doing and get your book, all that kind of thing? Sure. My book, uh, Visual Leadership, is on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. My TED Talk can be found on TED.com or YouTube. But I would just go to my website, toddchurches.com, and uh, subscribe to my newsletter. I don't write that often, but when I do, it's usually related to visual thinking in some way. And also, feel free to uh, link in with me and just say you saw me or heard me on Marion's show, and I'll be happy to connect with you. And if you're looking for the website, Churches is C-H-E-R-C-H-E-S. Yes. Attention, comprehension, retention. 
That's a great goal for all of us. And if visual language will help us do that, it's something we need to integrate. If you want to find out more about these ideas that Todd is talking about, he's got a TED Talk as well as his book, Visual Leadership. If you want to find out more about me or access a ton of free content, you can find all of that at madmotion.com. There is all kinds of helpful content there that will help you on your creative journey. And there's also some forms to fill out if you want to find out more about working with me or just give me your feedback on the podcast. See you next time.